0: This episode is brought to you by our friends at Unibuddy. Unibuddy is a student engagement platform that helps higher education recruitment, marketing, and admissions professionals attract, engage, and convert prospective students. Unibuddy helps students make one of the most important purchasing decisions of their entire life, and that decision is where to go to college. One of the ways they do this is by giving prospects real time access to real people at your university. Here's how it works. A prospective student named Sam stumbles upon your school's business major website page, and he starts reading about your program offering. After a few seconds, a warm pop-up form invites Sam to chat with student ambassador Dan, who, you guessed it, is currently studying business at your university. After some quick niceties, Sam admits he's been looking at your school for some time now, but has yet to submit a formal inquiry or start an application. He's been to a couple of virtual recruitment events, but it's been hard to get a real feel for what life as a student especially during these times, is actually like. Dan talks about his love of the entrepreneurship course he's taking, how challenging but rewarding Accounting 101 is, and how impressed he's been with your school's response to the challenges that COVID has thrown everyone's way. After 15 minutes of chatting with Dan, Sam books a chat with one of your admissions counselors for next week, and then he goes on to create an application account. This experience is so much more powerful than a static chat window or a scripted chatbot. Unibuddy empowers people to make better decisions through shared human experience. Oh, and by the way, this peer-to-peer engagement platform, it's just one of Unibuddy's product offerings. Wait until you see their virtual events platform. It's totally game-changing. Don't get stuck in a prospective student's college shopping cart. Make the experience of accessing personalized, peer-to-peer feedback as frictionless as possible. To learn more about unibuddy and access a plethora of free resources to help you navigate student recruitment this year head on over to enrollify.org forward slash unibuddy and we'll ping you directly to unibuddy's learning hub
1: personalization of the learning experience and, and and that's that's kind of key for us us right now is how do we really ensure that we're meeting the needs of every single learner from the minute they think about applying. And I said, think about applying not that they've applied, but how do we actually start to meet their needs before they've ever actually walked in the front door, hit the button to to hit apply or learn more?
0: Good morning. How are you both?
2: Feeling fantastic. It's Friday yeah. Eve.
0: Friday Eve. Friday Eve. Friday Eve.
1: <laughs> I love that. That's great.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna use that more. Um well I'm I'm thrilled to be finally having this conversation due to lots of scheduling conflicts and sickness and, and and all the just fun things that summer brings. We've had to reschedule this this interview a, a few times, um, but I'm excited to finally be chatting with you both. And in order to help the listeners kind of get to know each of you in, in a little bit more detail, I, I've got kind of just like a fun question to get us going, and then we'll dive into into the meat of the conversation. And, and the question that I came up with for both of you was to talk about something. Something that's a little bit like weird or strange that you both do and or think right so it doesn't have to be the same thing obviously but like what is something weird that you believe or that you that you do um and or think and and Dustin we'll start with you and then we'll uh head on over to you Pam
2: okay sounds good and Pam just so you know we only have one hour so I know uh, <laughs> uh for this so i'll I'll keep my thoughts about aliens for a different podcast i'll try to keep it somewhat uh, academic in nature i tell you what i believe uh low-key areas that higher ed especially online higher ed could learn a lot from but there i don't feel like it's being looked at very much or looked down upon is twitch and TikTok? Mm. i think the uh, differentiation of media and how people are consuming media has changed dramatically. And I think we're thinking of kind of like old school ways of how to co- develop content and whatnot. But I think if we really dove into what Twitch is doing really well at engagement and what TikTok is doing uh, with short, bite-sized pieces of uh, content that's very highly developed. I mean, 15-year-olds are making really good content on, on TikTok. Uh, I think there's some really cool stuff there and I don't know if that's always the most popular opinion to look at those mediums for for higher ed, but I think there's something there yeah
0: oh that's a good one I, it's funny uh it's funny you mentioned TikTok too because I was literally just saying to my wife I was like because of TikTok like my like I, I have great parents love my mom and dad they were mm-hmm. just exceptional people and, and they taught me a lot and I had a very privileged growing up experience but you know I learned how to change a flat tire because of TikTok, you know, yes. not not my okay. dad. And I learned more about how to cook from TikTok than from my mom, right? And it's just yeah. it's just this funny, like sort of like crazy thing where if I'm like trying to figure something out, and it, more often than not, it's it's stuff that I'm not even aware that I need to know, and it pops up on TikTok. But then I learned some life hack, and it's just yeah. so ridiculous how much I've how much I can learn in a minute or two from a TikTok as opposed to, you know, years of growing up in, in my parents' home. So anyways,
2: And you should have that same experience for whatever career you're in. Yeah, if your career yeah. changes. You should have that as well, where every week you just get surprised. with did you know this about Google Analytics or Excel or whatever the case may be? I love that. Yeah, love that. that's
0: good. Good. All right, Pam, you seem popular since you just had a phone call come in. But um, who uh, who what what is something weird or funny? <laughs> Clearly, you, you still have a, a, a desktop phone, a landline. So that's kind of cool. Uh- That's kind of different these days. I'm
1: actually sitting in my office um, at Maryville right now and my phone never rings. Never (laughs) rings. And I'm like, what what was that? Because I never never even think about it. So I apologize for a random stranger. Yeah, it was Dustin.
0: It was Dustin calling. I so <laughs> yeah. prank
2: you. <laughs> yeah.
1: and you know it, it cracks me up because Dustin was like, "I'm going to save save my um, you know really weird alien kind of stories for for later, and I'm going to stick academic." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not going no going there. I'm going to really tell you something that really equates to to who I am as as a human and and tell you tell you a story. I love to entertain. I okay. bring um, people over to my house. I love to do like big dinners and have have people." Um, just sort of, sort of come over and relax, relax at my house. That is, that is who I am, and that is what I do. Hmm. Strange thing and the weird thing that I do along with that is that I hide food. Um, I am deathly afraid, and this, this, this is a part of the designer in in me. Okay. O- overall, is um, I might. Make you this entree, but there might be an entree over there in reserve, or dessert over there in reserve, in case that one doesn't doesn't turn out. Huh. And and it really is just um, comes back and equates to the to the designer in me because we always have a backup plan. And when when you come to my house, there will be a backup plan. You might not know that that it's there, but there will be a backup plan. We had dinner with some friends recently, and as we were having this lovely pasta dish that was just wonderful. The hostess looked up at me and she goes, I almost pulled a Pam tonight. And I went, what does that mean? And she said, I was going to have extra food over there, there just in case this thing didn't turn out. We didn't like it. (laughs) And I just cracked up because most people wouldn't know that I do that, but she's one of the few people that would know that I would do that. So yeah, I, I hide food and I, I always have a backup plan. And so it's it's just like with, um, teaching and learning, you always have a backup plan Mm. in design.
0: Ooh, that's a that's good. Well, hey, if I am ever privileged to be invited to your home, you best believe I'm gonna be going around opening cabinets, opening ovens, seeing what the backup plan might be.
1: Yep, you uh, are <laughs> you are more than welcome to do that, and so is anyone else who's out there. Uh,
0: this is wonderful. Um, well, great. It's uh it's fun to get to know you both. Uh, real talk here. Like, what do you both do? So, Pam, if you were to try to explain what your day to day job Actually, looks like to you know a ten year old niece or nephew. How might how might you do so? And then and then Dustin will ping on over to you.
1: Yeah, I I, I really love this question because I've answered it in so many different ways over the years. And I, I used to um, say something along the lines of "You dump your brain on the on the table, and then I make sense of it all, and I I bring it together together for other people." You know, and that's changed a little bit. And my my go to right now is for the most part um i ensure faculty can teach and students can learn and that's the crux of everything we do is you know we we work together to ensure faculty have everything that they need to be successful students have everything that they need to be, be successful. I almost equate it to being like a chef in a five-star star restaurant. Our mm-hmm. subject matter experts like Dustin, they come to us with these wonderful ideas of, of what they they want to do and really um, who they want to reach. And together, we sort of create that recipe that ensures the best um, environment and experience for learners. Every kitchen is unique. The spices might, might be the same in, in each cabinet, but how you put those spices together and how you actually create the meal sets one team apart from another and you know here at maryville i think we're we're very blessed because we have some secret ingredients um in, in our cabinets and we can do some really cool things
0: oh i like that that's uh that's a really nice way of of articulating a you know what you do without using a bunch of jargon um so that's always hard to do when, whenever you ask these questions you typically get like i'm the vp of marketing and student affairs and vp of marketing and you know enrollment management for this school and and that's fine too but i i always appreciate when people can help put a little bit more color uh, a deeper understanding of what what it is that they actually spend their time doing uh, each day so dustin what about you what how, how would you answer that question if your 10 year old niece or, or nephew were to come up and, and ask you uncle dustin you know what do you actually do how uh how would you respond
2: yeah absolutely and first before that zach can we agree that after pam's first two uh answers I'm very hungry now. First was the spices. Uh, dude, I know, I know. First was the spices. First it. was the food, then the spices.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm yeah, pretty sure. Yeah the, yeah, the audience is gonna hear my stomach rumbling soon. You know, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm
2: hungry now. My okay. job here is done. Okay, so ten year olds. At the end of the day, um, I'm a teacher, right? I think a teen, I'm a teacher who basically helps people and businesses communicate. So, if I was talking to a ten year old, okay. I'm gonna take this literal, Zach. I'm gonna take this a literal ten-year-old. So it. I'm gonna okay. So take Fortnite. Every everyone, every ten-year-old plays Fortnite, right? So with Fortnite, to make that game, the team had to communicate with one another, right? Organizational communication. They had to talk to one another, figure out what the map's going to look like, et cetera. I helped them do that. Then they have to make the game. You know, cool for people to play, so people know what Fortnite is to download Fortnite. I help them with that. That's advertising, marketing, digital marketing, that kind of stuff. I help them communicate their brand, and think about your Fortnite character, right? Your your dinosaur outfit and your dance moves that you've bought and whatnot, that's all your personal brand. That's like your personal brand on Fortnite. I help with that as well. So I build these brands in multiple different ways, communicate with consumers and voters and peer to peer, but that's that's what I do is is help Fortnite <laughs> and have no relation to Fortnite whatsoever. Dude, that
0: is uh that's fantastic. You 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 all are pros at this. Are you all on podcasts regularly? Like these are these are questions that uh that are very well packaged, but seemingly effortless at the same time. Like like any good hostess, right? They make the meal incredible and they make the experience incredible and it looks like they've done it so effortlessly. I feel like both of you just answered these these questions uh particularly well.
2: Zach, I'm gonna tell you the secret. When I've been looking forward to this podcast, so I've had Pam call me for an hour every night <laughs> for the last couple of weeks and just ask me questions so we could. Can... <laughs> and I eat during uh, the time. <laughs> that's great. That's great.
0: Um, well, I, I'm excited for our chat in particular because we look and we have a number of people that come on the show. We have you know, people that work in, as VPs of, of marketing, VPs of enrollment management. We've had college and university presidents on the show. We've had folks that are building out social media strategies for a small to medium-sized liberal arts institution and, and everyone in between. Um, we've had SEO experts, right? We've had folks come and talk specifically about uh, storytelling through Instagram ads, and so the the diversity of people that we've been able to bring on this show has been has been quite incredible. Um, and I'm and very grateful for those who are willing to spend an hour of their of their day with me. But um, we we haven't had as many people on to talk about sort of the the product experience of higher education, like developing innovative and, and differentiated products and experiences, and folks that are really working on any sort of like Learning design um, component, folks that are folks that are really kind of innovating and thinking through new course curriculum development, etc. So I'm excited for this conversation because again, it's just it's not one that I've had too often on on this show. Um, and I know that both of you are are pretty uh, deep into the work that Maryville is doing on university product and experiential offerings, and so. Before we kind of dive into some of the solutions, some of the things that you all are thinking through, some of the experiments, if you will, that you're running at Maryville, I'd love for each of you to just talk a little bit about some of the threats uh, and challenges that you see in the industry right now. And obviously there, there, there are many, so pick you know, one, or, one or two of the things that you're most focused on. Um, and, and Dustin, let's, let's start with you for, for this question.
2: Yeah, I love that question. So I, being the uh, the optimistic one in the room, I was like, I, I love threats. I look at threats. I read team. Uh, that's a term I use. I read team all these things. I think, OK, if there's an issue, there's an opportunity there somewhere. Right. There's there's an opportunity where other people are, are worried. I think that uh, the threat and the opportunity is the level of personalization. Right. I think students are looking for more personalization, which sounds good. Right. It's like it's a very optimistic thing. I I want personalization when I shop at Amazon. Right. So I expect it from a from a not just university, but from an organizational standpoint, that's hard. (laughs) That's very hard to actually accomplish. And so I think from a threat wise or challenge wise, I think the those personalization is students aren't the same way right? 10 years ago, everyone kind of had the same thing. You sat in the room, you got the same experience, everyone, but now there's different models. Hmm. There's the, uh, the competency-based model, right? The kind of what WGU is doing that. Some students love that model. Some students want an asynchronous model, right? Like a weekly based, uh, with a, with a class of people, maybe there's an AI component connected to it. Now you have to figure out that challenge, right? Of AI, There's some students that love supplemental and with live sessions, right? Like case studies. I don't know how case studies come alive with a live session and a discussion. I think micro-credentialing is something that I'm a big fan of. I think that, especially for at the grad level, that it's going to mean if you're not on that train, that at least talking about it, you need to get up on that train. And then finally, what's something I'm super passionate about, Zach, is this idea of a subscription. And if to do a subscription really well, you have to have weekly content. I don't. I'm not talking about just like here's our classes, take whenever morning you want. Like some people have kind of that uh, LinkedIn Learning kind of thing, right? I'm talking about weekly content where you're part of a community that's like engaging every single week. One week you're off. One like that kind of stuff. So I think, and no student wants all of them usually, right? So I think that being able to personalize and find that. That um, that solution, I think it's a challenge, yeah. right? I think it takes a lot of people, a lot of resources to get to that point. And now I'm talking to Pam's area because I'm just the the faculty member that comes to be like, "Hey, Pam, let me do this cool stuff." And then Pam's like, "You know what? Let's do this in order. I need structure and Pam brings structure to my life is what is what I need." Pam, what do you think of all this?
1: Um, I I believe in structure, but structure without boundaries. So there, mm-hmm. so so there there you go. And you know what, Dustin, I really like how you know, you talked about um, personalization. I think personalization is absolutely key. It's it's essential for the next generation uh, of learners. Micro, micro-credentialing, that is, you know, one of those topics that is just out there everywhere where right now, as well as kind of the conversation around the subscription model. But before I come back to, to a couple of those, I, I just want to throw out um, a couple of things that I, I see as true Threats mm. to the future of, yeah. of education. Complacency. You know, people have been doing the same thing for so long, and tradition sometimes gets in the way. And as as we think about the bureaucracy and the cost, and you know, there's so much that uh, that's out there right now. You know, you can you can throw learning in any medium, and people can can digest it. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's good quality learning experiences for for those folks on on the other end. And we need to be certain that we're providing something that's not only sets us apart but really truly provides bang for the buck to enable that learner to get ahead that professional to get to where they want to go and you know we do that through exactly what dustin was saying that that personalization of the learning experience and 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 that's that's kind of key for us us right now is how do we really ensure that we're meeting the needs of every single learner from the minute they think about applying. And I said, think about applying, not that they've applied, but how do we actually start to meet their needs before they've ever actually walked in the front door, Hit the button to to hit apply or or learn or learn more. So thinking about that personalization side, the micro credentialing. I think there's so many different avenues that we can take from a micro credentialing standpoint. We're we're um, always looking at different kinds of of certificates that are formalized. But I, I think with that is that the informal micro credentialing that goes along with it, um, the badging that you see pretty much everywhere that sort of sets folks apart to say I have learned something in this area and making sure that we are able to put um re- not necessarily formality around it but really um power behind it as in it ensuring that it means something you know the Maryville university name i see a micro credential from maryville university it's going to mean something different than i've just picked up this random badge from some random place that no nobody's heard of and yeah. and i think that we have to ensure that with everything that we're doing we're looking at it through the lens of quality? What are we providing for those learners? And how do we really break down any of the barriers that might come along with it?
0: Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify podcast network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org. I I noticed, um, and I know that this was intentional, you – You referred to students as 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 learners, right? And this this idea that, like, I what I assume that you're getting at here is this idea that a lot of the more progressive colleges and universities that are thinking about the future are thinking about the the lifelong learner, right? Like, you know, what is a typically when you when you hear student, you tend to or or most of us tend to think about a traditional undergrad student, right? And somewhere between the ages of 17 and, and 21 ish, right? And yet, you know, we've been talking about this for years. The, the the traditional student what does it even mean anymore right you've got mm-hmm. people that are coming in completing their bachelors as in their late 20s their their early 30s right you've got some people that the what millions tens of millions of Americans who have some some college but no degree you've got people okay. that you know are are overeducated in in some way shape or form right they've got two or three masters degrees but they're still not quite finding the job that that they want or that they need they don't quite have that skill set that um, that maybe they were promised uh, and and you know oversold, and so this this idea that it's the, the more progressive institutions are changing language around the you, we we are all lifelong learners we we need as a society we should be constantly learning and what better place to continue your learning journey than at your 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 local college or university. And yet that's such a paradigm shift in the way that many schools have thought about their value proposition to the marketplace. So I just wanted to call out. I, I love I love that you're, you're you all are clearly thinking this way um, so much so that it's you, you're, you're using the term learner as opposed to student, which I love.
2: And Zach, to your point, I- A hot take, I I imagine these 10 years that we're in right now, we'll see more change to higher education than 100 years, just because of that boiling point where you were talking about this change of mentality. And some will not come out those 10 years great, but some will absolutely excel. Payne, you were about to...
1: You know, I'm I'm really the the epitome of that that non traditional learner. It took me seven years to get my undergraduate degree. Seven years going part time in the evenings, in the weekends. I was never traditional in any way way shape or form. And, and I think that, that that's what makes makes my eyes, my mind mindset towards uh, the learning process just a little little bit different because mm-hmm. I've been there.
2: Yeah. I've
1: been been on the other side. And you know, I I think that that's something that we do really really well here. Is we're not you know, focused just solely on, on those, you know, 17 to 22 year olds, but we're also actively thinking about the um, professional learner and what do they need. Maybe they're not looking for that that traditional degree, but maybe they need to learn something in a very specific area. We're thinking about our alumni and how we can actually serve them a little bit differently and thinking about how we can really open up the educational process to um just break down any barriers that might think um through that regular traditional lens of you have to go in this path in this mode and going back to that whole personalization concept that that dustin brought up earlier it's all about really them on on the other side
0: yeah yeah i i'd love for you to talk a little bit pam about um from from a learning design and development standpoint how are how are you and the team at Maryville thinking about kind of overcoming these these threats and challenges? So you talked about complacency. Are right? you talked about the need to, to innovate and personalize uh, experiences and, and, and content to to different sort of like ever every unique sets of learners? How are you all practically doing this? And, and I guess anything you can share with us about some of the questions you ask, you all ask yourselves when developing something new and or some of the things that you're in the process of developing right now?
1: Yeah, great. Um, I, I I think that that for us, as we're looking at at learning and, and what folks are um, really wanting, you know, we we think about the traditional model. We've talked about the fact that it, that it needs to change, and really enabling access and opportunity is everything. It's not enough to develop a rock solid course. I mean, we can we can work with Dustin to create the best course um, on the planet that would benefit any learner and every worker out there. However, we have to think about that full journey, which you've already mess- uh, mentioned. We have to think three, five, ten steps ahead, not only to where where they are today, but where they want to be, and what those goals are are for the future. And from from a learning learning design stand, standpoint, it comes back to really that the personalization side of things through really personalized learning process. Think about, you know, I think Dustin mentioned the artificial intelligence engine earlier and you know thinking about how we can integrate really smart technologies, artificial intelligence, machine learning and really um those mechanisms yeah. that enable us to dig deeper and learn more just because I want to, not because there's a course or I need to write a paper on something, but really I'm interested in this topic how can I learn more and ensure that that what I'm learning is coming from that reputable source. I'm not just not going out to Google and finding things, but I'm really thinking about um, how learning is different and really how we can ensure that that anyone who who comes um, in our doors um, sits in any of our courses have everything they need at their fingertips to move forward and that's that's a different experience. It's not just, here here is that traditional box where a faculty person might come in and say here's what we want, want to learn here's what we need but we're also thinking about okay what might that learner not have that they need to be successful in this course what does that exceptional learner also want to be able to extend that content differently and to apply it differently within within their own professional environment so thinking about the spectrum not just the, in, the individual within the classroom the spectrum not only here here at maryville but as that professional worker in the field and where they want to go and how can we help get them there inside or outside of the class
0: yeah yeah so well said dustin would you add anything to that
1: yeah
2: i think and we're looking at what students are using right now right so what we need to say students, I mean, people. I mean, what are people using outside of college? I mean, they are using Netflix. They are using these other services. How are they using Amazon? How are they using Disney Plus? How are they using these Walmart, Target? And saying, okay, we need to look outside of just higher education and say, how are people communicating now, taking in information now? Uh, using their accounts now, I think we can look outside to say, okay, we need to be part of this kind of digital transformation of society and say, we can't just be living in a corner by ourselves and say in our ivory tower, we've done this for a hundred years sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I I think it's hard though. All right. I think it can be hard to do for some cultures. Yeah. Yeah, But it's, it,
1: it becomes easier when you start to bring together the right people within the institution and the experts outside of the institution to help share their knowledge. And I, I think that that's a difference maker with us at Maryville is we are connected to um, so many different experts in the field that we are just starting to mine their mine their knowledge and asking them how they can share that knowledge with our, our learners, but also the great, greater professional field as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I'd love your old thoughts on. So, you know, one of the one of the things that we're we're seeing throughout the industry is 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 these boot camps pop up, right? Um these aren't new things, right? Lambda School, which is now called the something institute, um the Bloom Institute, I believe. Um, they, they sort of like pioneered the whole, you know, uh, ASIs and this idea that you could come for free to a school and then they would you know how, teach you how to code. you They'd place you at a high profile uh, startup or company post, post-graduation and then X percent of your income over X number of years would then be paid back, right? Um, and that, that was a super disruptive model. There are other models like that. Um, when, when they first came out, there's loads of booting uh, of um, coding boot camps. But then, but even beyond sort of like coding bootcamps, there are also just a, a plethora of opportunities to to learn. Access to learning via even things like YouTube right? have never been greater. Um, and we're what we're also seeing is like media companies, like I think of like Morning Brew and like Morning Brews, who you know Business Insider acquired. They're spinning up these really dynamic, super interesting, you know, four to six to eight to twelve week courses, and they're getting faculty who are you know the chief operating officer at you know Shopify, or they're getting the chief marketing officer at Athletic Greens, right? Social media managers at you know Company X, right? Teaching these these courses and. I was chatting with one of the, their head of education a, a few weeks ago, and um, one of the things she said, which like really stuck out to me, is, you know, education today. A lot of the, the the questions and and suggestions and and whatnot that they're getting from their students is, we want timely content, right? Like we want we want case studies that like happened in our in our lifetime, <laughs> like not like not like not like you know a codec case study from forty years ago, right? Like, and I think that. One one of the things, one of the biggest challenges that I see is how can education be able to dynamically change their content at a rate that can keep up with how technology is changing, how consumer preferences are changing, et cetera. So, I know that was a a, a, a very robust uh, statement slash. It's turning into a question, which is how all how do you all think about sort of educational programming and the rate at which course content and case study materials need to change.
2: So I, I want to start with this because Zach, that, that is what I'm passionate about. You speaking magic to my ears. So I believe that education needs to think more like content creators. Mm. I think that content creator sort of title is perfect. If we can find those those educators, those uh, subject matter experts, those professors that can lean into how to teach but make them content creators where there's content weekly. Yeah, that is what I I love. I pound my chest at that. That has to happen. When something happens with Lululemon last week, there needs to be a quick punchy case study this week to think about it, and then flip that over to a Slack group where you can you know engage and students are adding to this. I mean, that's what brings it to life, yeah. right? Is that that weekly piece? Now, Pam. We need we now now we got to say well, okay well, how we're going to pack you know uh, structure all this cuz yeah. I don't know how to do it Zach. that's yeah. why I, No, <laughs> that's me neither. My that's why I'm asking you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, how do we structure that? How do we how do we get that out the out the door on a cuz that's a lot of work too on a weekly basis.
1: Yeah, it, it it's it's a lot a lot of work and it's it's interesting because you know if I had five more Dustin's that that think in in the in the way of really not only mining what's going on in the world today, but sharing that in, with, with those in the world today in such a way that they are able to take away and learn from it and apply it in their their um, professional experience on a regular basis. W- it, it would be like the golden, the golden egg. And um so you, you truly were talking Dustin's world right there. That is, that is his passion. How do we make it happen? We are working on, on that yeah. for, for Maryville. We are actively investing in um, not only resources, technological resources, like ensuring that content creators have the right technology at their fingertips to be able to to turn content around um, quickly, but also taking away the fear and the boundaries that go go along with it. Because not everyone has the uh, mindset that I can just go in, sit down, and I've got some great something or other that I can share every single week. They do. They talk about it every day in their professional environment. But being able to package that is sometimes scary for folks. And we have to eliminate that fear and bring in technology that makes it easy and seamless and and we're working on that um in, in in fact i've just even this week we've been putting together some some kits that that can help us really get from from where we are today to to thinking about that sort of uh netflix disney Plus mentality, where those content creators can really think about how they're going going to upload, get that content to us, and actually be able to turn it around quickly. So it's something that that we're actively doing. We just don't have the the magic formula for for us as of yet, but we are actively exploring it, and I really look forward to to seeing Dustin be a part of that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, and I, I've been testing this stuff out. So I'm, you know, big nerd when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I always like to test, like, I don't know, if this, this could be like fall, you know, flat on its face. And the last three weeks, um, I've, Pam was, you know, so nice to let me use her green screen room. i I've, I've filmed these like 10 one minute videos and they're all like case study, like very current event kind of uh quick piece. Like what's a, what's a smart contract in one minute kind of thing. Uh, and I've been just putting it out on social, right. And just testing, like what, how is this doing? And, These are getting, one's got tens of thousands of views. And like, so people are getting this, right? People are like, yeah, "Yeah, this is content I want. So I think that's a big thing is like, how can we test it, right? How can we just constantly, what Pam says, be in that lab mentality, like tweak it. We don't have the right answer for anything, but like just test it out, see what what sticks, what doesn't, you know? And keep moving.
1: Yeah, I, I really like like that. I'm going to zone in on one word there yes. for you, Dustin, you said lab, you know, have that have that lab mentality. And that's really what it is, um, because, you know, once you start to break down, break down the walls of what used to be and what could be, it becomes really a learning lab. It's it's what can we create today that that we can just put out today as well. And, yeah. you know, it's. I, I always say, and, and I've said this for years, Dustin, I'm sure has heard me say it like 40,000 times, you know, we're limited by two things, time and imagination. And and if we have have um, people that that can help help you dream and think about what could be the um, the time we can't do anything about, but we can learn how to run fast.
0: Oh, that is that is beautiful. I just want to package that and like, you know, find a way to share that on social every day for everybody, because that's that's so well said. Um. And you know, I I was talking to a friend. And this must have been, I guess, it was just like last week, actually, about how you know, if if a school, if an institution that already has credibility, right, like like the biggest, I th- I feel like the biggest lie that's out there is that like, oh, well, people are choosing, you know austin coding academy over our institution because you know they, they they're they the name brand right like they, they they've developed this super great nine to ten week boot camp and you know they're, they're 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 the category leader right and every time i hear something like that i'm like but you're the university of x or you know the university of y and your brand you've been around for a hundred years like no, no no like from a brand reputation standpoint right if, If you can spin up these offerings and if I'm looking at coding academies, right, and I don't I don't necessarily know Austin, Austin Coding Academy particularly well, but I do know you because my older brother went to school there or my, you know, my father might have even gone to school there, whatever it might be. If the if the programming looks relatively similar and relatively consistent, am I gonna tr- and the price is relatively similar, right? Am I gonna trust the institution with the brand that's been around for a hundred years or a coding bootcamp that popped up, you know, last month, right? And I think that that's that's the thing that's what is just mind boggling about a lot of a lot of the ways that uh, with, at least with the people that I talk to, the way that they think about this is it's as if like those things are just way too hard. It's as if the if launching a micro credential is just way too hard. Or there's those are for other people doing that. And yet at the same time from a consumer standpoint, from a buyer's perspective, i would ra- if i can get that programming at a reasonable price from a brand that has been long standing I will choose that over, again, a brand that popped up six to 12 months ago and has hundreds of million dollars of, of venture capital behind it, but like hasn't, hasn't, you know, they're too young to have proven like long term success. So, anyways, that was, that was another rant and, and soapbox moment. But I do, think, I do think it's important that folks realize that like, I don't think that there are category leaders here yet. And I think that your school could absolutely compete with the programming that the morning brews of the world are, are launching.
2: Yeah, if 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 that was the case, to your point, Zach, then why, I'm a big fan of Trader Joe's. I don't know, I, yeah. I don't love Trader Joe's. If if that was the case, then everyone would just shop at Walmart, like yeah. uh, you know, all these big box, huge grocers. But no, you focus. Trader Joe's is incredibly profitable. They've been on fire the last few years, but they're not as big. They don't have self checkout lanes and robots that you know yeah. scan for inventory. They focus on what differentiates them. Right. They're not the the leader. Trader Joe's not the industry leader, but they're incredibly profitable and they're growing constantly. It's just that they focus on what differentiates them on their brand. Right. To your point, everyone can compete. You just have to focus on what differentiates you. Right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Well, we when we talked a, a few weeks ago, um, I, I was particularly inter- interested in some of the some of the things that you all are wrestling with, some of the the new programs and offerings that that you're working on on spinning up. Um, I'd, I'd love I know that we're talking about lifelong learners here and and whatnot, not necessarily the traditional, uh, quote unquote, traditional student uh, audience here. But as you all think about the future of programming and, and not just programming, but like experience um, that next generations of students are going to expect from colleges and universities. What are, what are like present on your mind? Like when you think about trying to convince Gen Z to get a little bit more excited about college and, or to convince millennials to, to actually go to grad school, like what are, what are the things that you are thinking through with respect to both programming and, and also sort of the overall student experience?
1: Gen Z overall, they want really what all learners have wanted. Historically, there's a little bit of they they really want um, relevant learning that is highly applicable to their daily environment and helps position them for the next level. They are wanting to climb those levels quickly Mm. and they are wanting to stand out and set themselves apart. And, you know, it's it's interesting because as they do so, they're looking at some of those regular kind of courseware. they, they want to learn how to be a good leader, but they're doing it through a different lens. They're doing it through not only all the technology means that, that we've talked about through um, like the subscription pieces or the morning brew that comes into our inbox every day or, or any of those other things, but they're also looking at things through the lens of, of um, social justice and diversity, equity, inclusion. These items are incredibly important to our Gen Z learners. They want to, to understand the impact, not only of, okay, here's this old management theory that we've talked about that can give us a, a historical perspective, but they, they really wanna think about how to change those theories, how to change the mindset of people to really think through the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion. They're going to look at the places that they want to work and where they want to go through that particular lens. We as an institution have to help foster that growth and that mindset Hmm. so that we can enable them to be where they want to be in the next generation. So from from a content perspective, I think that that's going to be a huge part of, of where we're where we are headed from a learning standpoint, we have had companies in, in the St. Louis area come to us and say, we need um, professional development for for our, our workers. We need it in the area of leadership and management, project management, all of these things. But we need to ensure that diversity, equity, inclusion is is woven through because our young learners are craving that. They yeah. want to see how these pieces fit together.
0: Yeah, yeah. Would you add anything to that, to that Dustin?
2: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think the ability to read the room, I think is the, the big takeaway in multiple facets, right? Whether that be read the room where we all culturally as a society and move with those read the room, uh, going back to what we talked about before, right? How are learners, consumers, people engaging, right? So for example, I use the checkout, the self-checkout lane at Target almost every single time (laughs) I go to Target. And when I want to change something with my bank account, I do it on the app. Yeah, yeah. If you're in a school that you have to fill out forms and walk to offices like that, you got to make changes. Same thing with students now expect. They speak this language of I'm trying to get Netflix or TikTok or Spotify to learn me through the algorithm if the, our school isn't learning you through an algorithm, we're messing up. There's yeah. so much data that we can support you through those kind of things. Right. Yeah. I think those uh, Pam, you're about to jump in. Like there's so many of these areas we can learn from outsiders of to, we need to make these changes. If Apple's iOS is amazing, it makes me feel good. But our LMS feels like 2015 <laughs> or 2012, <laughs> like we're messing up somewhere, right? We got to make these changes. Pam, what do you think of all this?
1: Yeah, no, I I think you're spot on with that. And you know, when you talk about algorithms, and we've talked a little bit of, about um, artificial intelligence and machine learning, and the the um, application and implication of, of those items throughout the institution, you're absolutely right. You know, as we think about the learner journey and where it's where it's headed, our our learners, especially those that have been out in the in the work workforce, that um, might be trying to really think about that next level they want service and yeah. service is key and you know education is a service provider we we serve those that come to us to, to learn and they want it to be quick they want it to be easy they they don't want to to run into any barriers and you know thinking about the those engines that go along, along with it those that are actually smart technologies that are learning from you to to move ahead to the next generation they're essential And, you know, I'm, I'm excited as, as we start to, and have been exploring those technologies to see how we can apply them, apply them here and how we can actually change the learner journey to ensure that you have what you need at your fingertips before you actually anticipated that. So it's really about anticipating their needs before they ever even know that they have a need.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what like the best like product companies have, have always Mm -hmm. done, right? Like the... Steve Jobs, what he's famous for saying something like, "Customers don't know what they want until we show it to them, right?" And then, yeah. and then they want right. it, right? So, yeah, that's 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 super interesting. Um, and, and also, I was just thinking about like your going out to the community, building building relationships with local employers, and them talking about the programming that they need. You know, one of the things, just to to talk about something super timely and relevant too, is just. What does it mean to What does it mean to like lead and manage remote teams, right? Like, we're you know, many of us are are still working for companies that are fully remote and or hybrid, and will will in for you know for as as far as we can see, continue to be so. So, and I don't think that you know five years from now fewer people are going to be working from home. I think you know we'll, we'll continue to see more flexibility and work than ever before for, for many for many people anyways And like yeah, what does it look like? this is something like I struggle with right like I, I was used to being in an office with people that I could talk to that I could lead we'd get into a, a whiteboard uh, room, kind of do a big brainstorm trying to brainstorm over zoom sucks right trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to performance manage people, how to ensure that you're giving your people what you need over quick check-ins here and there via zoom is is, is quite difficult It's harder to get a to get an assessment of how you're doing at leading your team when you can't just bump in bump into them in the hallway or you know barge into their office right And so all, you know that's a silly example but the, the point being that the rate of change, especially for younger generations, Gen Z who's growing up their first jobs are fully remote many of them they they haven't had office they haven't experienced true office dynamics yet what what does that mean for how to prepare them for the contemporary workforce and all of that like has to now I'm thinking about like the one class we had I had in undergrad that was called I don't know. Like it was basically the real life one one Right. And it was like, how to be, how to be a professional. And it was a mm. terribly run course. Um, it was the only thing I remember from it was they were like, be sure to make a LinkedIn profile, which I had and many of us had, had already done. But point being that, you know, in that course now, people need to talk about how to, how to function as a professional in a remote culture, like what, mm-hmm. how, you know, how to ask for help, like, not just via slack like how to have a phone call or or zoom call with your boss right um and it's it's just the rate at, the rate at which the world has changed even in the last couple of years has presented a, a number of opportunities uh for educational institutions to to harness and build programming around and the smartest ones will, will get their quickest
2: zach if i could add one slide to the powerpoint of your class you're talking about of remote i just want one slide that Please. simply says stop with the Zoom happy hours. Like I could just have that one slide. Leaders, please, please stop doing those. So that's my one slide to your class. I love that. Yeah. So
1: I, I, I'm going to add, add one more please. that um, really just gets at, I, I think that all of the people in the psychology wing will, will, will jump up and down. Soft skills are more important than ever. Yeah. And yeah. how those soft skills present Via Zoom remotely, it's very, very different. And just from the from the standpoint of you know thinking through the right tone of that email or um, addressing people up and down the food chain with a, an email, something that's going to to apply to all of them, and and helping learners truly understand the professional side of professionalism and really thinking about who they, who and how they, who they are and how they want to portray themselves. And, you know, that is difficult for some folks in, um, in the remote environment and growing those skills, I think are absolutely essential and have to be woven through pretty much everything that we do. If we're going to ask you to present something, you know we need to give you some tips and tricks on how to do that and do that well i mean yeah. even even on 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 my team which at this point is fully remote we don't we don't have any any plans for having everybody back here here on campus and anytime soon i have people that that are camera shy yeah. you know they they are shy enough that they don't don't want to be on camera and at the same time they're going i know i have to get over this because i need to make that relationship i need to have eye contact with with my um people on the other side so there's there's a lot that we can do as we talk about everything that's new and inventive and coming we still have some basics that we have to be certain that that we're cultivating within our within our learners
0: yeah yeah and i think that that's something that is definitely with younger generations um is 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 not not that it's been lost but it's it it takes more time to cultivate given just the access to technology and the way and, and being able to kind of communicate without a lot of eye contact. Um, <laughs> wow. I sound, I sound like my, my dad right now. Um, but <laughs> so I, I, I did have a couple other just questions around how you all think about developing programming for the future, experiences for the future, specifically around who is around the table at your institution having these conversations right like it's great pam and and dustin to get in a room and you guys clearly are are cut from you know the same cloth you've got your big thinkers your dreamers your innovators but but who else like in order to get some of these new initiatives off the ground or or help compel people inspire people to think a little bit differently about about the future of of education and experience who who from the university leadership team needs to be a part of these conversations
1: so I'll, I'll I'll start that one because we have some really interesting things going on on at at Maryville, where, as we are talking about what students will be ex- experiencing and what that learner journey looks like we're bringing everybody to the table. We are um, hosting forums that really talk about what happens with learners when they're with you? What happens with learners when they're with you? Mm. How can we actually get the best picture so that we can understand gaps in in learning and gaps in experience and gaps for, for where they can be? So, you know, at, at the institution, you know, you need to have everyone at the table. The conversation becomes different. It's not about sort of that that top-down traditional here's where we're going and here's where we're headed yeah but i really want to dig into dig in deep to understand what happens with that student when they're running into a barrier maybe in um setting up their account or thinking about financial aid or how am i going to pay for this or what does my journey look like or how long is it going to take me to get through here and i need to get done faster rather than than more slowly so internally I, i think it's important to really understand the learner journey at every step that's that's thing thing one but with that you also have to understand where they are coming from so you have to ask them good questions before they ever get here to understand that learner coming in so there's there's a lot of external sort of um, mining of information that that we have to do and then on the flip side we have to understand where they want to be and we need to have have conversations with employers and you know what are what are our learners doing well when they come to you when you first hire them where where do, where if anywhere do you see gaps on on that experience and things that you wish that they, wish that they knew and so bring all every as many people to the table as as possible a couple of weeks ago we had um a a new advisory board for one of our our programs convened for the very first time and it was so interesting in this very technological field that, that we had people across the spectrum talking about what the, those needs are so it's really about thinking about the full picture of that professional that we're growing because that's what we're doing we're growing professionals every, every day and we're we're um enabling people to become leaders and how do we do that and i think the more people we have at the table the better
2: i've i've been you know in part of you know other organizations that talk the talk so well, you know, and it's hard for them to kind of walk the walk of that and saying, I've been at, you know, at uh, an agency before and there was always, everyone's got an opinion. We've all got good ideas and nothing, nothing got done. (laughs) Nothing whatsoever got done. It was just kind of just circling. So I think it's culturally at a university, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have a genuine culture, not just talking points, right? You can have a message strategy all you want, but do you have a culture that says, yeah, you can go out and test stuff, you want to go test something? Absolutely. Does that mean I feel I feel comfortable asking for a budget to do something, resources to do something? Do I, do I know the people in my learning design office to talk to them or do I just kind of have to wing it on my own? And if you don't have that, right, which is, I mean, don't, don't be uh, you know, kicking yourself, bring in like, uh, someone for a week yeah. to help workshop these things. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, Cause I can imagine a lot of people listening would be like, we don't have that. We live in a silo and that's probably the majority of, of yeah. universities. Just bring like, even if you don't hire a full-time person to do this, maybe you have a budget for that. Maybe you don't bring in one person for a week to ideate. Yeah. Ideate, do these workshops—not like keynote, it's like literal workshops where you leave with steps and um, ideas from that group itself. I think that just would like help spitfire that movement moving forward to actually get that those uh, wheels turning.
1: Yeah, I I love that, Dustin, and I really want to zone zone in on a, a word that you you mentioned. You said culture. You know, it's a, it's a cultural sort of mentality and you know i i fully recognize that you know our culture here is different and because we don't have the same silos that you see in most um in institution and you know I'm, i i think that it's been an amazing journey to watch that sort of unfold over the last last few years where the culture of try trying things yeah. you know not being afraid to fail if it doesn't work okay we learn from the situation and we we move we move on and we we refine and we think about what what could be next as opposed to just being stagnant and complacent we're always looking for what can and should be the next generation of exceptional experiences for for our learners. And and the fact that that culture sort of permeates throughout our faculty and throughout our, our staff as well, I think it's just amazing. You know, when, when I got here, um, it's been nine-ish years now, 10-ish years, somewhere there. One of our newer colleagues down the hallway, she's like, hey, I have to ask, I went to a meeting and this happened. I said, uh-huh, that's different. We, we, we are different and finding the way to ensure that we're, we're breeding a culture of change. We're breeding a culture of innovation. We're bringing, breeding a culture that ensures that we are looking at what's next. It isn't just a difference maker. And it's an amazing place to be.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I, I love what you all are saying. And Reality is like unless you have some like major endowment, unless you are a you know top top name brand uh, household name institution, unless you have some sort of niche that you are just the best at, um, if you kind of fall in the middle, like most institutions do in some way, shape, or form, these are the conversations that have to be happening because it's the middle that's going to get hurt right the the most over the next you know couple of decades. Um, and, and the ones that are having the conversations that you all are having, that are thinking creatively, that are willing to innovate, that are, you know, willing to say, you know what, enough is enough. We're breaking down these silos. We're going to figure this out. Even if we don't feel like we're totally empowered to do so, even if, even if somebody hasn't like handed us the keys, we're going to go steal the keys, right? Or we're going to go freaking build the car and then tell them, Hey, look, we've already built the car. We just need the freaking key to start it. Right. Though, those are the schools that are going to be here. Um, quite frankly, over the next over the next couple of decades. And and and, and not just here, but, but also thriving. And the, the folks that aren't in a position to do that or, or, or aren't able to sort of rally from a cultural standpoint in order to make that happen, I, I think it's going to be really tough. So uh, you guys are incredible. I've really appreciated our, our time. If folks want to just learn a little bit more of like the nuts and bolts of, hey, how exactly is all of this working from a structural standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, uh, what, what would be the best way for, for them to get in touch with with both of you?
2: I'd say uh, I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn. So Dr. Dustin York on on LinkedIn. That's also website, drdustinyork.com. But reach out. I'm, I am I tell you, when it comes to this ideation stuff, I nerd out about this. Zach, we've had some conversations as well. I just nerd out about these these things. I I've, I, just, I just literally helped a, uh, a B2C company. We worked a whole week on ideation. They left with these ideas and uh, a, a timeline for these strategic plan initiatives. So if, if anyone's interested in kind of uh, chatting or getting this kind of ball rolling, I'm a nerd and I live off caffeine and whatever <laughs> Pam is cooking uh, with the seasonings <laughs> and spices. That's what keeps me going. So yeah, LinkedIn, Dr. Dustin York, reach out. Awesome. What about you, Pam?
1: Yeah, that's that's a great way to um, reach me as well. I'm not nearly as active um, as as others. I'm I'm a great lurker because I like to absorb and and reflect quite quite a bit. But you can easily reach me there. Pamela Brian Williams um, is is where you'll where you'll find me, and I look forward to chatting more.
0: Wonderful, and we'll also link um, to your LinkedIn profiles in the show notes, so that way you don't have to go search. So just scroll down to the show notes and click on over and connect with. Dustin and Pam, um, thank you both so much for your time. Uh, this was this was a real treat and keep up the great work. Um, again, I think that you guys are gonna be a lighthouse for for many.
2: Thanks, Zach.
1: Yep, thanks,
0: Zach. Hey y'all Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Enrollify podcast. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below furthermore if you've got just two minutes to spare we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on apple podcasts our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing admissions and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories ideas and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional but enrollify is far more than just a podcast network Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.